Hallelujah. Let's clap hands for the worship team. For God. God is faithful. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Please shake the hand of your neighbor and welcome them into the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Please shake hands of your neighbor. Be happy. Welcome them into the house of the Lord. Let them feel at home because this is their father's house. And Lord, we want just to thank you for the wonderful worship. Uh, you know, it's very, very, you know, uplifting when you just praise him. Because we have every reason to praise him and every reason that we should indeed glorify his name. For we are what we are because of him. Without him we are nothing. Hallelujah. So, today, we continue with our Christmas thought, but in a different way. Uh, you know, this month is a month that, you know, the world is excited. And we, the Christians, should even be more excited because we are remembering the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Without him, we would not have been gathered here. Hallelujah. Because God was for the Jews. But because Christ broke the barriers between the Jews and the Gentiles, we can now be called a people. Church, let's celebrate Jesus. For he has done it all. And all that we need is just, you know, to say, here I am, use me. Hallelujah. So, we are going to read two passages today. Uh, both are in the New Testament. And uh, we are going to look at the topic called the beauty of waiting. The beauty of waiting. Uh, so we are going to read from Luke chapter 2. Uh, in Luke chapter 2, we are going to read uh, from verse 25 to 35. Um, let me start from verse 21 of Luke chapter 2, just to get the story in context. Um, and here... The heading says, Jesus presented in the temple. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification, when the time of their purification according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every first male, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was a Russian who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to, uh, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. 
For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for liberation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we remember the birth of Christ, Lord, it is my prayer that you shall give us the spirit of Simeon, the spirit of knowing that the salvation of the Lord is upon us and that Jesus is coming again and that we can wait in faith knowing and believing that your word is true. Let everything else fail, but we believe your word shall live forever. We trust you, God. Simeon knew this. Holy Spirit, reveal this unto our hearts. For it, it's not by our power or intellect or might. It's by the revelation of your spirit. We praise you, we honor you in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I've said that our topic for today is the beauty of waiting. And you know, I posted it on the church WhatsApp. And uh, I just heard one comment. I think from the pastor, uh, Pastor McDuff. I hope you have read it. Why I posted it, I wanted you to ask questions. Is waiting good? Who loves waiting? Raise your hands. Nobody. You want to receive immediate raising. <laughs> Amen. So do I. <laughs> so do I. But today, I want to share with you the secret of, you know, the beauty of waiting. You know, what I believe is that precious things are worth waiting for. Precious things are worth waiting for. And, you know, if you just receive, you know, something without waiting, without working for it, that thing does not look so valuable. Uh, we have so many, you know, stories, okay? One of them is, you know, those of you who are old enough, uh, you know, old is relative. So, I mean old enough. Uh, up to the 1990s, Malawi used to send many, many young men to South Africa to work in mines. And what used to happen is when a person was uh, enrolled to go and work in the mine, uh, most of them were young men. And you know that young men in the villages marry early. Most of them, you know, at 20 and above, they are already married. So they would leave their young wives and go to the mines. And the wife was told, I'm going to work in the mines so that we get riches. Clear promise, okay? Because when they came, I've seen them. Eh? I'm, bit, I'm a bit older. So I've seen them. They came with blankets and clothes and all those things, beautiful things. And these wives would have seen those things. One year for some women was lo too long. So what used to happen is when the man came, in most customs, especially in central region, I don't know about the other regions, but I think it's the same. When the man came, he would arrive into his brother's house so that the brother or sister narrates everything about the village and especially how the wife behaved. Abusa is true, so you are old enough. <laughs> the pastor is agreeing with And then they would narrate. Oh, when you are away, this is what happened to your wife. So-so was sleeping in your house. 
and all those things. And then the husband had to make a decision whether to enter his house or not. And many women lost their valuable things. Some of them, if some men were like me, they might have spent a lot of time thinking about their wife and then buying the best for their wife. And they go there, they say, no, your wife did not behave. And all those gifts would be given to sisters and I don't know who. Hallelujah. The beauty of waiting. The beauty of waiting is this. There are some women who said, okay, my husband has said he's going to South Africa to work in the mines. And they were dreaming every night. When he comes back, I'll wear the best dress to church. When he comes back, we'll have the best house. When he comes back, we'll have the best blankets. No longer, you know, uh, sharing perhaps one blanket uh, uh, and, you know, pulling each other like that. But, you know, everything is going to be good. And that dream kept them. When the husband came, he arrives in their brother's house and the brother says, this is, you know, what your wife did. You know, when you are away, she cared for your mom. When you are away, she works so hard in the field so that, you know, there's food. You don't have to use the, the South Africa money to buy food. She worked so hard. When you were away, she did everything that was good. And the husband would just be rejoicing and goes into their house happy and say, my darling, come. Why am I relating this story? The work of Christianity is about waiting. The work of Christianity is about waiting. If you are not able to wait, then you cannot be called a Christian. Christianity is about waiting. Here we look at, you know, the, the Bible passage says there was an old man called Simeon. It's deliberate that the Bible is even saying an old man. It could have just said a man. A man is a man, eh? whether young or old. But the Bible says there was an old man called Simeon who had waited for the salvation of Israel. He had read that one day Israel shall be saved. He had read that one day Messiah is going to come. He had read in uh, 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 Isaiah 9, for example, that, you know, a Messiah has been foretold, that, you know, a, 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 boy, a baby shall be born and all that, and he trusted the Lord. And very interesting, very interesting. He went to the temple on the eighth day uh, 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 after the birth of Christ, knowing that Christ would be at the temple, and I should be the first one to receive him. How are you waiting for Christ? Church, how are you waiting for Christ? You know, in waiting, there are perhaps, you know, four major steps that, you know, those who wait have to go through. First of all, is, you know, to learn about the issue that you should, waiting for, you should be waiting for. You learn about the issue that you should be waiting for. And then, when you learn about it, you are convicted. Convicted that this issue is important. This issue is true. This issue is worth waiting for. You learn about the issue. Church, I want to tell you, Christians, if we don't read our Bible to understand God's purposes, it is very difficult to wait. It's very difficult to wait. Because if you have not learned what you should be waiting for, then you cannot wait. 
Waiting comes with conviction. That is why people like, you know, Isaiah had to declare after being convicted that God is good, his glory is true. He says, here I am, send me. Joshua said, choose you now whom you shall follow. But as for me and my family, we shall follow the Lord. Conviction. Are you convicted or convinced that Jesus is real and is worth waiting for? You have to learn. Learn about Jesus. Learn about his goodness. Be convinced that he's real. And then you can wait. Number two, waiting is a process. It's not an incident. It's a process. Waiting is a process. You know, when you are waiting, you don't know the time that the realization is going to come. And Jesus said, even him does not know when he's going to come again, when the end of the world is going to be. So, waiting is a process. And in any process, there are good times and bad times. There are just times and time to shed tears. There are times of jubilation and times of sorrow. But those who are convinced about reality, these things do not shake them. These things do not shake them. You know, if you are convinced, you know that, you know, I like what uh, uh, Apostle Paul says. Now, I'll confuse the verse, but you can research. It's either Acts 24.20 or Acts 20.24. Paul was convinced by the Spirit that as he was going to Jerusalem, chains and imprisonment and torture were awaiting him. And Paul declares, he says, but none of these things move me. Because he knew whom he had believed. This is the true gospel. You have to be prepared that come sunshine or rain, I'm going to stand firm. I love what Simeon did here. You know, Simeon, why I said the Bible is deliberately said he was an old man. He knew that one day he's going to die. But he asked the Lord, let me not die before I see the Messiah. And you know, death is a threatening thing. When Simeon held Christ in his hands, the Bible says, he says, God, now you can let me go. What peace we often forfeit when we don't trust in Christ. This is the peace that God gives you. You stand in whatever situation. Your desire is always to be with Christ and Christ alone. Where is your hope? Where is your trust? Waiting is a process. And in this process, we operate by faith. And faith is believing in things that we cannot see. This week I got a phone call. Somebody was asking me. It was an international phone call. Let me emphasize that. Somebody was asking me, Pastor, is it true that you can't see faith? Not faith gender in church here. <laughs> is it true that you cannot see faith? And then I said, why is she asking? And then I realized that there are so many teachings in this world that teach about prosperity and all those things and people just think, you know, they can see 
God just providing, providing, providing. I said, yes, the Bible says you, faith is believing in we cannot see. And I said, but that does not mean that God does not provide. But God provides for you so that you can see faith in action and give him glory as a testimony. How many of you are talking about the goodness of God other than the badness of your situation? How many of you are talking about the goodness of God? You know, at times, you know, some things when they happen, they happen for, for a reason. Right now, I think my wife is away to South Africa. We have received a grandchild there. So as African tradition, she has to be there. But that has given me a lot of time just to reflect, up, reflect upon my life. I want to assure you, God is real. Without him, I wouldn't have been standing here. I've told you of stories of being born in Nkotakota Game Reserve where there was no school, no hospital, no nothing. And here I am, educated by Malawian standards and standing in front of you. That can only be God. God is real. God is real. Tell people of your testimony. What has God done for you in your life? And the people would see God in your life when you save him. Amen. You know, I said faith is a process. And you know, the Bible has many examples apart from Simeon that we have read. Abraham and Sarah are a good example. At the age of 90 and 100, that's when they had a child. How many of us would have believed that a child is possible? Some of us would have already gone to a singanga. For those who don't understand a singanga, I mean which doctors? Who tell you, no, 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 you don't have a child because your grand-grandfather uh, uh, said something, you know, cursed you, and there's no way you have a child. So for you to have this a child, you know, I feel sad, and I've these are real stories. Beautiful women, officers sleeping with a singanga or a samba. I, I mean, which doctors who have not even taken, you know, a bath for ages just because they want a child. Sarah was not like that. Sarah trusted God and believed that there's a God who is able to provide. And, you know, young men, look at David. David was anointed at a very young age. I think he was 17 when Samuel went to tell him that he was going to become a king. And then he says in Saul's house, and Saul begins to chase him, wanting to, to, to kill him. And then he reaches a point where, you know, uh, 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 he had all the opportunity to kill Saul. And he says, I'll not touch the anointed one of God. I'll still wait for my time. You know, some of us, Want microwave faith. That today it happens, we just press a button and next day we are somebody. Good things come through waiting. And waiting upon the Lord. Hallelujah. So, as we remember this Christmas, I think it is just a beautiful thing to remember that God is there for us. God is there for us. As long as you have believed in Christ, God is there for you. Your circumstances do not matter. What you are going through today does not matter, but God loves you and is for you. Hallelujah. You know, Point number two, uh, number three, is that there is a reward. 
there is a reward in waiting. And that's the beauty of waiting. You know, when you wait for things, when they come, you just, you know, enjoy it. You just enjoy it. Let me tell you that without waiting, there is desperation. And desperation leads to destruction. Desperation leads to destruction. You know, many people have gone into trouble because of desperation. They don't want to wait. I'll give you an example of Absalom, the son of David. You know, he wanted to become a king before the king was gone. And instead, the, uh, Solomon became the king. Some of you, you have your inheritance, but you are destroying it because you don't want to wait. Because you don't want to wait. You know, there's this expression that I really don't like. And I know God doesn't like it. Everybody's doing it. There's no other way that I could have done it. That has led people into corruption. That has led people into, you know, wounded souls. Some of us are sitting in church here, but our souls are wounded. This is the time as we're remembering the birth of Christ. Be healed for Christ is here. Confess and God is faithful. God is faithful. He wants to hear you. He wants you to enjoy your waiting because Christ is coming again. Christ is coming again. You can't be walking wounded and expect to receive Christ when he comes again. You know, the experience of, you know, uh, Simeon, just moves my heart. <laughs> you know, one of the things as I was studying, you know, God revealed to me to say there was a high priest there. There were priests there, but they didn't know Jesus Christ as the Messiah. He went every day to be circumcised, and they circumcised him like an ordinary boy. Yet there was a Mr. Simeon here who said, this is the Messiah. Are you one of them? like Simeon, that knows the Messiah. Or you are like religious, like most people, who say, yes, it's a story, but we don't know when it's going to happen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Be, be conscious of the times. We are living in very difficult times now. Where truth is relative. People will tell you, Corruption is bad. People tell you stealing is bad. People tell you lying is bad. And people, I mean, when Christians tell you that, you begin now to study the Bible in a negative way. Some of them will say, ah, but you know, Jacob and the mom lied, and yet Jacob will still remember them. But I'm telling you that those things happened so that we should learn about the forgiveness of God. And not that it was the right thing. It wasn't. You know? We want to know that God is a forgiving God. When we confess to him, he's able to forgive us. That's why Jacob, when he's running away, he had to insist on the angel, please bless me, please bless me. The blessing of Jacob came, yes, from, Ab uh, from, from Isaac, but the true blessing came from God when he insisted on the angel to bless him and not leave him. Truth is not relative. Truth only belongs to God. Truth only belongs to God. And you know, the good thing of the story of waiting as a blessing, the beauty of waiting is that the reward surpasses all the struggles that we go through. Hallelujah.
Who would want to be with Christ forever and ever? I'm sure it's all of us. Amen. Is there any reward that you would expect that is more than that? Being with God forever and ever and just glorifying him and singing Hosanna, Hosanna. And you know, just, you know, where there will be no tears, no death, nothing else. Is there any better reward that you can get on this earth? Church, our reward is greater than whatever we are going through. The beauty of waiting. God blesses us right here on earth, but even more so, he has blessed us with an eternal life. And that's the greatest, greatest reward that anyone else should be looking for. You know, I said I have two passages. One of them is about, you know, the ten virgins. I'll just sing, uh, read it for illustration. The ten virgins is found, the story is found on Matthew 25, uh, verses 1 to 13. Matthew 25, verses 1 to uh, 13. Uh, it's a very interesting story of patience and impatience. And, you know, uh, the Bible, Christ actually gave us that, you know, illustration just to remind us on how we should live in this world. And the story says, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like the virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. A very clear decision, I mean division there. Five of them were church. Five of them were and five of them Choose your side. Choose your side wisely. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. Remember, waiting is a process. They went to wait, uh, to, to wait for the bride and the bridegroom but they didn't take oil. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry, the cry, rang, uh, the cry rang out, Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Jesus is coming again. And there will be a trumpet. Come out and receive him. Then all the virgins woke up and tri uh, trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, There may not be enough for both of us for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But you know when Christ comes again, it will be too late. Pastors will not be standing in front of you. The Bible study groups will not be gathering anymore. And this is exactly what these, you know, uh, five foolish virgins, you know, experienced. They say, the wise one said, no, there may not be enough for both of us. Salvation you don't share. Not even with your wife, not even with your child, not with anybody. Salvation is between you and Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ lives in you. So you cannot share. Hey, children, don't depend on your parents' faith. Husbands, don't depend on your wife's faith because wives pray a lot. Women pray a lot. Amen. 
salvation is personal. And you know, the virgins were, uh, it says, no, uh, 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 instead go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the others also came. Sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Hallelujah. This is the illustration of the kingdom of God. It's not that it's about tomorrow. It's about now and today and, you know, continually walking with Christ. Because we don't know the hour, we don't know the day. The foolish ones, I said, waiting is a process. The foolish ones used what you call now shortcuts. Ah, no. Let's, let us just carry our lamps, you know, uh, because we are going to be there. After all, he might even come during the day. We won't need the lamps. You know, that's the devil. The devil usually tells us stories. Eh? The devil is the master of deception. The devil is the master of deception. So he would tell, no, after all, you have taken, you know, uh, your oil in the lamp. You know, that's enough. After all, he might even come during the day. Why do you have to bother? And these foolish ones were convinced. Do you understand the voice of God and the voice of the deceiver? You know, I'm sure these ten virgins, they all were well dressed for the wedding. And that's the worrying thing. Because if you look in the world, you find, you know, churches full, full, full. There are some churches that have 10 services just to make sure that they accommodate the population. But how many of them have Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? That's the key question. And, you know, as we come here every Sunday, we have left a lot of things that the world is doing. May our coming be like that of the wise virgins. Who knew the reason why they were there? They were prepared to wait. The Bible doesn't say, but I believe the extra oil they carried would have taken them throughout the night if the bridegroom did not come that night. And they were waiting to say, even if the day comes, you know, without the bridegroom coming, we are ready for him. Are you ready for Jesus? Are you ready for Jesus? If Jesus came now, will you be found still looking for the oil? Or you'll be found with lamps shining, saying, here I am ready, Master. I'm going to, with you to the banquet. And you know, I like Christ because myself as a pastor, at times I even use the words that I should say to you so that you, you come again next Sunday. But Christ just says, the Master said, no, go away, I don't know you. Imagine somebody telling you that. I don't know you. I think there was, but, but, but we also brought our lamps. But, but please, I don't know you. And he shut the door. When Christ comes again, there's no chance for salvation. Time for salvation is now. Time for salvation is now. And Christ is waiting for those who faithfully wait because there's a great reward for you who wait faithfully. 
I gave you that illustration of the, you know, the women that waited for their husbands faithfully. They were champions of the community. They celebrated, they were envy of the community. But those who did not wait. I want to tell you, and this is just for illustration. One of the women who did not wait for her husband, Faithfree, was my direct cousin. When the husband came back, she was found she was pregnant. And in those days, you know, it was very, very difficult because I know girls these days, you use a lot of tricks, abortions and all that. And abortion is sin. Whoever has done it just has to confess before God because God is a forgiving God. In those days, abortions were not a common thing. And you know, the husband comes. I'm telling you, my cousin, I'm told, started crying for a when she heard that the husband was coming, she couldn't hide the pregnancy. And then the husband came. And of course, what I told you already, the stories were told to him. And this story had not, you know, I think the brother and the sisters did not even waste time. They say, just come and see her. <laughs> we don't have to tell you. And you know, my cousin was broken. And this is a true story. And the husband said, no, I don't want you. And my, hus my cousin continued crying and hoping. And then she gave birth to twins. And then the story is taught. And it was taught by mother, my mother. And I know my mother could not have lied. She refused to breastfeed the babies until the babies died. Thinking that without the baby, the husband was going to take her back. The husband didn't. And my cousin didn't live long. She also died. There's danger in being desperate and being deceived. Christ is coming again. We need to faithfully, faithfully wait for him. You know, all these attractive things we see here on earth, we are going to leave them. Christ is going to live with us forever. The reward is always better than the struggle. You know, those who have really trusted in the Lord, they have inner joy. Joy that fills their spirit. That even when their body is suffering, they are able to say, for me to live is Christ to die again. For they know that their joy does not come from things that come from, the, uh, from outside. Their joy comes from Christ who is in them. There is inner joy as we wait upon the Lord despite their struggles. And you know, there is humility. There is humility in serving God. There's humility, that's why Paul says, I will not boast except in Christ. Because it's not myself who has saved myself, it's Christ who has saved me. There's humility. We humble ourselves before God. We know, no matter how intelligent your teacher might have taught you, how, no matter how, you know, you know, beautiful people might have taught you, how, no matter whatever, whatever you admire in this world, without Christ, that's nothing. Our power, our authority, our success, our satisfaction should be based on Christ. There's an odd song, in Christ alone my hope, my hope is found. There's no, nowhere else where we should find hope except in Jesus Christ. Because he's the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the everlasting father. He's the prince of peace. He loves you with an everlasting love. That's why 
He accepted to be born in this world. He left the heavenly glory. He didn't, you know, uh, Philippians chapter 2 says, he didn't count, you know, being equal with God as important. He humbled himself up to the death through the cross. But at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. He is Lord. He is Lord. There's no other Lord but Jesus Christ. All these people you see today that seemingly look so important are going to die. And after that, if they haven't received Christ, they're going to hell. That's why your responsibility and my responsibility is to announce Jesus to the world. Who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus to you? Is it just a story? You know, when I was in Sunday school a long time ago, we had a teacher who was not even saved. And when he told the story of the birth of Christ, it was like, you know, you're in a movie. It's like you're seeing Jesus being born. So beautiful. But there was no spirit of God in that. Stories can be beautiful. But life in Jesus Christ is the real thing. Have you found Christ as your life? You know, the Bible says God is not respecter of persons. You know, at times, <coughs> we look so much unto people. But let me tell you something. I think you should know that we as your leaders, we are also just human beings. We are who we are because we also depend on Christ. If you depend on Christ, you will be a great support to the church. If you depend on Jesus Christ, you can even be a leader more than some of us. Because it's Christ who raises people, not man. Who are you serving? Who are you serving? Are you serving your desires? Are you serving your ambitions? Are you serving your dreams? It's not bad to dream. It's not bad to desire. It's not bad to have ambitions. It's good, but those ambitions should be built on glorifying God. Those dreams should be built on glorifying God. Those desires should be built on glorifying God. As God blesses you, are you blessing God? Are you blessing others? You know, when Christ was asked, what are the greatest commandments? One is to love your God with all your heart, all, all your mind. And the other one is love your neighbor as yourself. Are we a blessing to others? At times we even fail to bless ourselves. You know, I had, a, I had an uncle as an illustration he was not a believer at all, but very rich. But, you know, he used to buy cattle and, you know, farm produce. And, you know, this uncle of mine, the way that he loved money, at times he would go to Mchinji or Kasungu in the rural areas where his workers were buying, and he would sleep even in the rains just to make sure that he accounted for every tambara that he has, or every kwacha that he has. He was a slave of his own wealth. He never enjoyed until he died and left everything. You know, some of the ambitions can just enslave you. You don't enjoy your life until you die, just because you think money is your God. Or success is your God. 
true success is built on Jesus Christ. If you have Jesus Christ, you have everything. If you have Jesus Christ, you have everything. And you know that's why, you know, Paul was able, you know, to save Christ in need or in plenty. Because his saving was not because of what he received or what he got. His saving is because he had believed in Jesus Christ and he was waiting for his, you know, capture into glory. How are you waiting? How are you waiting? This baby Jesus that we are going to celebrate on the 25th of December, he's the Lord and the Savior. Wait like Simeon. So that you say, I have seen the Messiah. May God bless you. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, I believe this is the message of Christmas. That we should wait faithfully until you come again. Lord, I pray for my brother, I pray for my sister. I pray for myself. Waiting is a process. Give us faith, Lord, that we shall stand the test. Lord, I pray blessings upon each one of us. Even as we are in the month that ends this decade and will be entering another decade, Lord, may we enter with joy knowing that we have entered with Christ. Bless us as a church. Bless us as individuals. Bless us in our families, Lord. Even in the things that we are going to do. May we honor you and glorify you. For Lord God, it is worthless to follow the deceiver whose end is destruction. Lord, I pray life upon every individual in this place. And life is in Jesus Christ. We bless you, we honor you in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior. He who is to be born and who is coming again. Jesus Christ. Amen.